Voices for the Marvel Library. Today I'm joined by Rosemary Sands, newly named director of the Center for Norbertine Studies, and Catherine Udelhofen, program coordinator for the center as well. St. Norbert College is the only Norbertine-founded institution of higher education in the world. The Norbertine Order informs much of our mission as a college, and the Center for Norbertine Studies is a crucial partner for the library when it comes to preserving college and Norbertine history. Plus, the college has made it a point to give staff and faculty an opportunity to travel throughout Europe exploring our Norbertine roots on a heritage tour. Well, the CNS started back in 2006 with Bill Highland and I. Mm -hmm. Um, The mission and goals, I guess, of the CNS is twofold. First of all, it's to create a collection of anything written by, about, or for Norbertines. And the other part is to educate the college and local community about who the Norbertines are and um, the work that they do. Yeah, and I think a third prong would be encouraging scholarship. So whether Mm -hmm. it's undergraduate through the Research Fellows Program or we have a visiting scholar coming from Spain in February of 2019. So there's the scholarship component too. And it's also a collaboration between the college and St. Norbert Abbey in De Pere and actually a collaboration with the Worldwide Order because we get materials from them as well. So maybe could you sum up the history of the Norbertines for anybody who wouldn't know exactly? I know that's hard for you, Rosemary. The elevator talk. The elevator speech. (laughs) (laughs) Who was Norbert? The Norbertine Order was founded uh, by St. Norbert of Xanten in 1120 or 1121, depending on which date you want to choose. Um, the, The order grouped in Premontre, France in 1120. They took their first vows in 1121. Um... But Norbert was from a very wealthy family. He was trained for religious life, but he did not make that step to become a priest until after his conversion experience. And um, he he fell off his horse and saw the light and uh, decided to be ordained. Uh, sub, uh, he was a subdeacon. They ordained him deacon and priest in the same day, which was against canon law, but he was so passionate about it, and off he went. (laughs) And he was a wandering preacher for uh, several years, for about Mm -hmm. three years, and he was trying to ascertain, discern what he was going to do, and he visited Benedictines, and he visited with hermits, and and then eventually uh, he settled in Prémontré, France, where the Norbertine Order was founded. The mm-hmm. real name of it is the Order of Prémontré, because it was founded in Prémontré, France, and everywhere else in the world, Norbertines are known as Prémonstre Tensions, mm-hmm. but it's such a mouthful that here in the United States, we say Norbertines. <laughs> so the order is coming up on its 900th anniversary, yeah, it's, which it's actually not... is bridging the years. So it's starting mm-hmm. in 2020 and going through actually early 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, they took their first vows on Christmas of 1121. So Christmas of 2021 would be 900 years since those first vows, and it will carry through to the end of the Christmas season. Is there a big, big like contention about? Like when it actually started? Yeah, nobody nobody agrees. Nobody agrees. And anywhere you look, so the stained glass window up in the CNS yeah. says eleven twenty, or there's a plaque on. No, I think there's a. It's on the plaque. It's on the and plaque. It might be even on yeah. the window. It's and on. and any of the abbeys we visit in Europe, some say eleven twenty, some say eleven twenty one. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's up for grabs. So that's why they're doing the nine hundred, spreading it out over spreading fourteen out. months. I think it is yeah. um, for the celebration. So why is it so important that the campus have something dedicated to the Norbertine Order? 
Well, we're the only Norbertine institution of higher learning in the entire world. So we're the only college or university that the order has. The order has had many high schools in the past, um, and they continue to have high schools, but no other colleges. So it's important that we maintain a presence and that our students know who St. Norbert was and what the Norbertine legacy is. Mm -hmm. So, Catherine, maybe you know a little bit more about this, but why, when when the library was built in 2009, so where was the CNS originally um, in 2006? It was a tiny little office in Todd Weir, okay. which was the library at the yeah. time. My office was in Boyle Hall, mm-hmm. which, by the way, literally was a closet that they converted <laughs> oh, into geez. my office. There was no heat, only air exchange. So, thus the heater underneath my desk. Um And Bill Highland had an office in Todd Weir, and that's Mm -hmm. where he had a few bookshelves, which was the beginning of Mm -hmm. the CNS collection. It was when we moved here to the Mulva Library that the expansion truly happened. That's when the Abbey started sending over their books because we had stacks Mm -hmm. and somewhere to put them. But so yes. you guys have always been a part of the library. Yeah. I didn't yes. know that. Well, I was having a really interesting conversation with Father Andrew the other mm-hmm. day, and he said, well, yeah, initially all those books that came over with Abbott Pennings and the original Norbertines and continued to come over as more Norbertines came over from Burn Abbey, mm-hmm. um, so most of those books are in Dutch, they were here on campus because the Norbertines were here on campus. Mm-hmm. The first Abbey was here on campus, mm-hmm. so the college library would have house the Norbertine books. So he's not sure. He imagines when the new abbey was built on the other side of the river and in 1959, those Norbertine books went across the river and were put in their archives. But then when they saw that we had this wonderful dedicated space and climate-controlled conditions, some of the books are from the 1500s, 1600s. They're they're treasures. And so the space here in the library is absolutely phenomenal Mm -hmm. for them. So these books have been traveling and traveling and traveling, but they're back home again. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the library, maybe maybe working with Sarah, our archivist, just kind of like why is it so important that the library is involved in helping preserve uh, the Norbertine Order and just college history in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, again, it goes back to the dedicated space that the library has the wherewithal. Mm-hmm. So the archives where the, the oldest of the Norbertine collection is housed, um, either as a rare book or as, as a special collection, um, that's intermingled with the library's general archives. Mm-hmm. So the archives might include... Letter sweaters from the 1920s or all the old yearbooks, you know, dating back to the very first yearbook in 1917 and things like that. Um, So there's this this intertwining, this meshing of of what we're doing. So it makes perfect sense that we're in the library. And then uh, the next step to that is the great working relationship with the library staff. And Mm -hmm. for me, especially with Sarah as the archivist. And um, I think, you know. She's my, my colleague in crime. We do we do lots of stuff <laughs> together in terms of, you know, what should we put in a display case? What should we take out for a roadshow exhibit? And it's it's a mingling of the college history and the, the order's history. Mm-hmm. I guess it, uh, as, as someone who was a student and then becoming a staff member, there's this kind of feeling that there's like this resurgence and like, I don't know, just like expansion of like really showcasing what the Norbertines are all about, I feel. 
um, especially with, I think, having Tom Kunkel as the president for how many years and his just interest in, in Norbert and St. Norbert and just, and, you know, he's writing a book, too. So it's like, I just feel like there's this just blossoming of mm-hmm. really, really showcasing the Norbertine order in a more modern way, especially yeah. with the MOOC, too, yes, the, yes, the online course that he did with Father mm-hmm. Andrew. And I think another big component was the, um, is the Comunio course that Father mm-hmm. Andrew started teaching when he first came here in 2013. And um, I'm currently teaching it uh, now that he's headed back to Dalesford. And so that's quite a few students every semester getting exposed to deep, deep Norbertine history and then being excited about it. And Mm -hmm. they not only learn the history of St. Norbert and the foundation of the order and how the Norbertines ended up getting here, but they learn college history as well and history about the buildings Mm -hmm. on campus. And I think that's really interesting. It gives you this sense of place. Um, We're all interested about our family history, I think, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's an extension of that. Yeah. I started back in the early 2000s working here, and I had heard that um, they really weren't talking about the Norbertine aspect of this campus and this Mm -hmm. college. And at that point, then Father Dane, and now Abbot Dane, um, he was the head of Mission and Heritage, and they had created a new division, and he gave me my college tour, my campus tour. I didn't and, know that. Yes, and <laughs> told me all the history of the buildings and the association with the Norbertines, which then um, at some point he, uh, I think, moved on to uh, Notre Dame Academy, and Father Jay took over as vice Pres- president of Mission and Heritage, which now is um, MSA. But that was really the resurgence, I think, Mm -hmm. of trying to focus on who they really were. Because you will talk to faculty and staff who were here back in the 80s and into the early 90s, and they they weren't talking about it. Mm -hmm. So I think at some point it got lost, and in a very good way, it got uh, yeah, Yeah. it got found again as an important topic and an identity, the identity. Well, you and you said MSA, like Mission and Student Affairs, like combining the two, I think Mm -hmm. is really, really uh, just it's so just it really shows that there is a concerted effort to really help our students understand like it's mm-hmm. ingrained in it and mm-hmm. even with like gateway too I was say it's a big component with of gateway the gateway well. seminar pilot that too is just kind of trying to get our students to understand it's like we're 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 a private college but we're a unique private college mm-hmm. like you said we're the only Norbertine institution of higher education in the world mm-hmm. and to not talk about that, not to showcase like our rich history, it's kind of like why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't, like, you, why wouldn't yeah. you take advantage of that? And you know, maybe we'll we'll get some students who want to be Norbertine scholars mm-hmm. when they graduate from here. They want to go somewhere else and study Norbertine specifically because we're all over the world. Or become a Norbertine, right? <laughs> we've had <laughs> that we too. There were several. That. I remember a yes. few students I went to. I went to school. They were a couple years older than me, and they're yeah. they're Norbertines now. It's just kind of like. Yeah, I think, so I think I don't know, it's probably the seven or eight most recent who have joined mm-hmm. the order, the majority of them graduated from St. Norbert College. So yeah. their exposure to the Norbertine order would have been precisely because they were here on campus and, and got to know something about the Norbertines. When I did that throwback Thursday about the Abbots, everybody, every single Abbot except for Abbot Bennings graduated. have been a graduated, yes. or graduated from the college. Yeah, so every single Abbot, that's correct. 
So, for, I mean, you two have a lot of experience just working in, in the center. Like, what what's your favorite part about, I guess, the Norbertine Order? Or just, like, maybe a certain thing you just learned about the Norbertines in your in your role, and you're just kind of like, that's, that's super interesting I want to share with everybody. I know it's a tough question, especially for you, Rosemary, because yeah. you kind of came into this just from studying it. And you, right. You, I, I wrote my, my dissert- doctoral dissertation yeah. on the history of the Order in Spain. And um, I always say it just boggles my mind when I moved to Alloway in 1987. Um, I had never heard of St. Norbert College. <laughs> I had never heard of the Norbertines. I didn't know that the Abbey was two streets behind my house. And now it's like my entire life. <laughs> so in I moved to Alloway in 87. I started mm-hmm. teaching Spanish at the college in 93. And... Um, uh, eventually, while still working here, I went back to grad school to get my doctorate, and not knowing initially what I wanted to write my dissertation on, uh, I was getting ready for the 2008 Heritage Tour. Catherine and I were both on that one. It was yes. our first one, mm-hmm. and uh, the book that we were using had a list of all of the Norbertine Foundations from time immemorial, you know, mm-hmm. just the, what countries they were in, and I could see that there had been Norbertines in Spain, but there weren't abbeys there anymore. There's one convent of cloistered sisters now. So I asked Father Ted, who's from Dalesford Abbey, why aren't there any Norbertines in Spain? He said, that's a really good question. No one's ever published anything in English, and it was this light bulb moment for mm-hmm. me. And from that moment on, he sent me a couple of articles that had been written in Spanish by a, a Norbertine from an abbey, in, from Winberg Abbey in Germany, and I used that to base my proposal for my, my grad program as to whether or not I could actually have this as a topic. Mm-hmm. And from that minute, it's just been fascinating to me. And everything, I, if you go to my house and you see the books that are stacked up on my coffee table, it's all Norbertine <laughs> stuff or medieval, mm-hmm. you know, monasticism. And it's just my sisters are always like, you got to get a life. But it is my life, and I love it. I absolutely <laughs> am fascinated. You're a total nerd for the Norbertine I am order. kind of a Norbertine geek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I would say what I find most fascinating about the Norbertines is the work they do out in the community, mm-hmm. um, really getting involved with what the needs are of the local community. And in my position, I have the privilege of going on the heritage tour to Europe and helping lead uh, groups of people every year. And we visit these different abbeys and look at the work they do in their local communities. Some of them are running hospitals, some hotels, uh, breweries. They're all involved. Mm -hmm. And for some people who don't know this, the Norbertines brought some of the first financial services to this community. They brought the first TV station, um, radio stations, and of course we've got the college. But these are a group of men that are very focused on what the needs are, trying to help the community, and they're very savvy businessmen. Very savvy. <laughs> yeah. so. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, in the Comunio course that Andrew taught and that I'm now teaching, the students always do a research project, and two groups of students this year interviewed Norbertines. And to hear the stories, that, and, and they're not unusual, it's just that we don't know what they're doing. So Father Brendan McHugh was in in Latin America, primarily in Mexico, but I think he was also in Guatemala for many, many years, and, and working with the poorest of the poor, and just an advocate for um, social justice issues. And another group interviewed uh, Father Rod Fenzel, and he also did um, work. He was involved with the uh, medical mission Santa Clotilda in Peru, 
for for decades the Norbertines were down there, and their ambulance was a motorboat because they were up and down a river in the mm-hmm. deep, deep jungle. And the only way they could get to people if it was an emergency, they'd say to them, "Head out in your canoe, and we'll meet you part way on the river." Because the fastest they could get there was in this. How many years did Jack McCarthy? Father Jack McCarthy was there for 30? a long, long time. Father Jack. Yeah. Yep. We gave him the Ambassador Peace Award a few years ago mm-hmm, that's right. for his work down in the jungles. Yeah, and there were a number of them who were who were down there working and, and doing other things as well. I mean, mm-hmm. In uh, Dalesford Abbey, Father Andersholm Abbey, um, their newly elected abbot Rossi, Dominic Rossi, founded the Bethesda Project, which is... Oh, um, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, that's, it's like mm-hmm. a, a gazillion dollars. I think it's, I don't even know how many <laughs> millions or billions. And it's it's homeless shelters. Yeah. And students from St. Norbert College, every single January, a trip's group of students yep. goes out to work in one of the homeless shelters called mm-hmm. Our Brother's Place. And that's a, that's a huge impact. And this is one man. One man did that. My son went on that trip. And he was, he had this amazing experience. He came home and he said, Mom, some of these men have their PhDs. I mean, they're really smart and really interesting. And how did they end up homeless? I mean, it was really quite um, eye-opening for him. And it was a great experience. Yeah. Well, you were kind of talking about the Heritage Tour, which um, we're definitely going to have a second part where you guys talk about that kind of just rehash everything you guys did with Sarah. Um, but why don't you kind of talk about how that started and, and when it started and, and why it's an important part and just talk about it. Well, I think it started, either, I don't know if it was the early 90s or even back in the 80s. Um, do you have a date on that, Rosemary? From here? No, I know that, that Dalesford, Art, Dalesford was first. doing it. Yeah, They did it first, and at some point, Father Xavier Calvecchio, Mm-hmm. May he rest in peace. He, he just passed peace. away. Deceased. Um, he uh, he brought it here to the St. Norbert College area, um, and it really was a program designed to get employees more invested in their job, really understand who the Norbertines were. Again, we're going back to the whole mission and heritage. Who are the Norbertines? What what makes us different? Um, What is their identity? How does it relate to the college? And why, as an employee, would you care? Um, I know one trip went out in January of 2006 because my my boss at the time, Joe Tulbane, was on that trip. And it was a mix of um, faculty staff, I don't know if any faculty were on that one, staff, but also students were allowed on that trip and they could get credit for it. Oh. And there were three students who went. It was when J-term had just yeah. started. At the, I think it was the very first okay. J-term. And the thought when J-term was created was that all of the J-term courses would take place off-site. So hopefully huh. in another country, but maybe just elsewhere. And, you know, obviously it didn't work that way. There are some term yeah. trips that go around. Mm-hmm. But so that was the that was the first that's heritage the tour that I know of, and it was all Abbey's. That's the one Abbey's. that we actually have names from yet. Yeah. I think there were some tours going on earlier than okay. that already. And then the an official one sort of under the guise right. of what we do now was 2007, the year before you and I went yes. on our first one. Yes. But it's improved. It's mm-hmm. the new and improved heritage tour. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I mean, we take faculty and staff. It started that way. Now we have expanded uh, not only to administration, but there's board of trustee Mm -hmm. members, local community members. We've got alumni going. It's a great trip. And 
I think they used to spend more time at Abby's yep. when they went. Mm-hmm. Um, it's evolved a bit into kind of a cross between not only the Norbertine aspect of it, but mm-hmm. also the European culture, mm-hmm. um, trying to create more of a balance between those two things. Because yeah. oftentimes, a lot of the people on these trips have never been abroad. And so yeah. they're not just going over there to learn about the Norbertines. That is very, very important. But they also want to see something while we'll see they're the there. Norbertines mm-hmm. and their perspective cultures, too, and the yes. areas that they're in. Exactly. How do you... Like, because obviously there's there's a number of abbeys over there. How do you how do you plan these trips to, you know? Because I've 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 known several people have gone on them. I would love to at some mm-hmm. point in my life. Um, but the idea like there's there's things in Italy. The, the obviously you have the Czech Republic. You mm-hmm. have the actual was it uh, Strahov? Is mm-hmm. that it? Abbey where the Saint Norbert actually mm-hmm. uh, buried. buried. Yeah. Um, so how do you? How do you balance the the want to go to all these places or all these areas? It's usually a group effort Mm. to design the route that we take through Europe and the abbeys we visit. Um, Again, you want to have a balance, so Mm -hmm. maybe like seven, eight, nine abbeys is about what people can handle and Mm -hmm. take in, because at some point... It's just churches, and they yeah. they can't keep it straight anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's better if you visit one abbey a day and really focus on that. We talk with the community and learn about the work that they do and how they are living their lives. Um, Another but, big aspect is when, because you're really great at this, Catherine, looking at that map and saying, we don't want to be on a bus more than X amount of hours. Yes. You don't want to spend the whole time yes. driving across so, the continent. So typically we've picked a country or a, co- a or group two. of countries yeah. and identified where the abbeys are and what is manageable. What can we really do in a two-week time frame? Because, and, yes, we do which not want to be traveling for 12 guests. hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so because we'll get the tour of the Abbey and, and share a meal if that's possible. If they have lodging, um, we'll stay overnight. So on okay. some tours, we're staying at Abbey's and hotels in this combination. Yeah. When you stay at the Abbey's, you actually get a, a feel for the rhythm of their life mm-hmm. yeah. because then you can eat when they eat, you pray when they pray, you go to Vespers, you go to midday prayer. If people want, they can get up for the 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. whenever Mm -hmm. they do the morning prayers, and you can participate. And then you really start to feel uh, the spirituality and and just having that, uh, what's the word? Tracy Arndt always talks about having these moments that are um, there's just this serenity for mm-hmm. me I, when I went, was lucky enough to go on a J-term with students to Monday Abbey in, in France, in Normandy. Mm-hmm. Um, we were there for 10 days, and we did have that rhythm. And you could go to as many or as few of the events, the prayer focused events during the day and um, just to, to go over in the morning when it was still pitch black and sit in the darkened church where Norbertines have sat for centuries and centuries and centuries and then just that, that rhythm, that pace mm-hmm. and, and see them going about their work or uh, it's, it, it gives you uh, different insights and I just mm-hmm. also think that history, that rich sense of history just from being mm-hmm. at those places yeah. where they have mm-hmm. been how long they've been there? How many people centuries have come through and there? Centuries, and, yeah. Just, I mean, it's your general. Paving we're so stones. young over here. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, why don't you talk a little bit about like this year's like what what the plan is, what abbeys you're going to visit, what countries you're going to visit, 
two yeah. weeks full of full of fun Norbertine yes. European trip stuff. Four countries. So, yes, <laughs> we've got four countries. We mm-hmm. uh, depart most of us on either May seventeenth or eighteenth. The mm-hmm. tour actually starts in Munich on the nineteenth. Um, the first abbey we'll visit is Rogenberg, and they have a beautiful guest house. So we will spend the night there and give people the opportunity to live the Norbertine life with, um, with them and we'll visit with the community. From there, we will go to Schlegel, which is, so Rogenberg is in Germany. The four countries are Germany, Austria, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia. And so from Rogenberg, we'll go to Schlegel Abbey, and they have a brewery, and they're right on the German-Austrian border. But yes, they're on the Austrian side. And um, they have a brewery, they have a hotel, or not, a guest house. Mm. We'll stay in the guest house, um, and they have an amazing restaurant. So we are looking forward to that, and it is storybook beautiful. It's in the it, it's in the valleys, and it's just. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you guys have yeah. been there before. I have only been to Rogenberg, so although I've been on, this will be my fourth heritage tour. Plus, I've done a J term. Uh, the only of the abbeys that uh, that are on this trip this year, the only one that I've seen is Rogenberg. So I'm super excited. It's <laughs> all new abbeys for me. So like the restaurant, this restaurant, like what are they like? What do they serve? Well, they have this brewery that's an extremely old brewery. Yeah. And in the restaurant, the booths are massive beer barrels, so you can sit inside of a beer oh, barrel so in awesome. some sections of mm-hmm. the restaurant. Um, you can see pictures online. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You'll have to uh, take a look at the blog every day. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a lot of the traditional German and Austrian type food, and people do not lose weight on this particular trip. They think they're going to walk a lot and you wear it off. Trust me, you Rich do not. Rich food, man. <laughs> One of the fun parts of your job, I think, Catherine, is, and, and mine too because she consults with me, is picking out menus when we yes. have set meals for the group. And it's like, well, should we go with the strudel or, you know, what for dessert? Or Duck. The, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, from there, we will then head to Vienna. And we have four nights in Vienna, and from there we will do day trips out. So we'll mm-hmm. be visiting Geras Abbey. We will take a boat ride up the Danube to Bratislava. And from there we'll get picked up by our bus, and he'll take us, our bus driver will take us to Trnava and Verbova convents. Those convents are have a fascinating story. They were behind the Iron Curtain when it was taken over by communism, mm-hmm. and they have... A very compelling story to share when we visit them. And then we've got a whole free day mm-hmm. in Vienna. Um, from there, we will head up to Prague and we will visit not only Strahov Abbey there, but we'll do a day trip out to Doxony. We will visit a concentration camp, Terezin. Mm-hmm. And Doxony is a convent of cloistered sisters. Yes. So we'll only see the sister who will give us the tour whereas at Rogova and Trnava they're not cloistered and so we'll we'll get yeah. to know mm-hmm. more of them okay. and then from there we head to Berlin for another few nights and we will go to Magdeburg which is where St. Norbert was Archbishop and uh, Father Jay will say Mass on the same altar that St. Norbert said Mass wow. on. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Fancy trip. <laughs> yeah. Kind of jealous now. So to Wish see, to see it, where, where Norbert was Archbishop, where mm-hmm. he died, because he died in Magdeburg, mm-hmm. and he was originally buried in Magdeburg, but like, because yeah. of... Um, 
uh, well, with all the different wars and the area going back and forth Mm -hmm. between being Protestant and Catholic, Protestant and Catholic, it was like, we got to get our guy out of there. (laughs) So then that's how he ended up getting moved to uh, Strahov in uh, 1620s. When his body was being moved from Magdeburg to Strahov, Mm -hmm. they stopped at Dachshund. For several months. For several months, and they planted a tree in honor of him passing through that area huh. and that tree still exists and we it is a massive massive wow. tree. i just got goosebumps and i already <laughs> knew the story and it's like yes yeah. <laughs> so we will have our photo taken in front of that tree yeah. as well awesome. and we will also so in berlin to finish off the trip we will also do a, a city tour there okay. a world war two <laughs> history history type tour and then we'll be coming home yep well Sounds like it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and an, another wonderful benefit, besides getting to know more about Norbertine history mm-hmm. and getting to know some of these amazing men and women of the order, it's getting to know each other on the trip. Yeah. There are a couple of... of I call them repeat offenders, which is a mean name, but it's a fun name because it's people who've gone on the tour and they love it so much they're they they're coming again for a yeah. second or third or fourth time. And so we've mm-hmm. got a couple of people on this trip who were we with us on the two thousand and eight tour. Bonnie and Elliot yeah. Elfner, yeah, uh, they've been on a lot. Uh, Tracy and Tom Arndt have been on many tours. Paul and Sarah Tutsky, Dan and Nancy Dickinson, mm-hmm. Mike Van Asten. Brian and Carol Brees are going on this tour. President yeah. yes. Brees and his wife yep. are going to be on yep. this tour. Well, so. I always say it is wonderful to go over there and visit Europe, but truly it is my privilege to really build relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the CNS is in its own special little place here in the library, and because of that, I don't necessarily get out on campus a lot or have a lot of relationships with people Mm -hmm. um, except for the ones that I work with for my events and this is an opportunity to meet people in a way that I wouldn't otherwise Mm -hmm. and the deep friendships have just been a gift Mm -hmm. a true gift how many people on average go on these uh we've had anywhere from 13 to this year is going to be 33. Well, 13, that's a nice small group. Oh, yeah, that was our group <laughs> that last, was last year. year. Sorry, I that trip. We went to Spain. <laughs> like, wow, what a great size. It was. It was great. Yeah. yeah. But the bigger groups are fun, too. Is that usually like the like max? Like you don't foresee doing a tire in that? Because I, I assume it's really hard to make sure everyone gets lodging in, in the abbeys and making sure that it's a small enough group that you feel like you have a handle on everybody. Well, and, and that's the truth of it. Especially yeah. when you're doing tours of the abbeys. Mm-hmm. These corridors are long and narrow oftentimes. Yeah. And if a Norbertine already, you know, you know, he'll be speaking English, which mm-hmm. is a foreign language to him. Yeah. And uh, so you have the accent issues and then you have these echoing hallways <laughs> and the line of people gets very long. And yeah. so the people in the back don't yeah. always hear. Um, and even for the bus. And even for the bus, uh, for comfort level. it's. But we've got... We've got 33 people, and the bus has 42 seats, okay. so we can spread out a little bit. Yeah, we there has to be a lot of patience and mutual mm-hmm. respect mm-hmm. and and understanding on these trips. How often do you do these tours? Is it like every other year, or is it more common than that? We've been doing them almost every year. There is one year that we took off. I went on my first tour in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2009 I was already starting, starting. the planning for that. Right. right? The, I did not do the planning for 2009. I started then with the planning in 2010. Mm. But there was one year that we did two 
tours. We mm-hmm. had so many people sign up, we couldn't do it in <laughs> one. And then um, also with that tour group, Archmere Academy came along as well. Mm-hmm. And then there was one year that we just did a hiatus. I think it was the following year. We were just exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and, and last year was a hiatus trip for the typical tour, the, mm. the small group, the 13. Um, it was at the request of some board members. So it mm. was a, a special trip planned for board members and for us to ascertain whether or not um, Spain would be a viable option mm. for future heritage tours because, as what I said before, there's one convent of cloistered sisters. Mm-hmm. There aren't any male Norbertines in Spain, but I think we discovered, which I already knew, of course, <laughs> that there's still plenty of Norbertine yeah. history in Spain yeah. and abbeys that are still in existence, and they just have different mm-hmm. people dwelling them now. The and, food and uh, wine wasn't too bad either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any plans in place for one next year? Mm-hmm. Any any teasers for that one? Belgium and France. Okay. Yeah. And it's going out later than normal. Okay. Usually we'll go, we go two weeks right after graduation. Right after graduation. Yeah. So it yeah. will be the last week of June, first week of July, so hmm. that the 4th of July will be at Normandy. Too. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, There's maybe a teaser. I start saving. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, and then, uh, oh, in addition to Belgium and uh, and France, we're starting out at Burn Abbey, our mother abbey in Holland. Mm. I've never been there. Me neither. Interesting. Yeah. Well, just just for... um just to reiterate, how many how many abbeys are there in the world? Oh gosh! <laughs> if we had That's a concrete number, Mary, stump the expert. Uh, I don't know how many are currently in existence. That would be a good thing for me to know. Yeah. I think at any given time there were uh, up to seven hundred. Okay. And they extended from Ireland to the Holy Land. Yeah. Which is just it, it's there's amazing. A lot. Let's just say a lot. Yeah. There's there's but a now lot they're out there. in India and Brazil mm-hmm. has yes. a very thriving. Yeah thriving population lots of locations in both brazil and they in india the house in south africa nope it's still open okay but i think yeah. that's a priory correct mm-hmm. it's not an abbey mm-hmm. it's a priory. So, and that's near cape town mm-hmm. yeah okay. and there's one in australia um and they have a high school i think that's near perth and there's one in one in canada huh. st constance and uh yeah we're all it's, over yeah mm-hmm. and i and there's a there's a convent of sisters in Russia. Did not know. Yeah. I don't know anything about them. But <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. All right. Well, we may have to plan some new heritage tour routes. There you go. All right. Well, best Good. of luck. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. And with that, it's time to wrap things up. Thank you, Rosemary and Catherine, for joining me at the roundtable. And best wishes as you head out on this year's Heritage Tour. Let us know your thoughts on the college's relationship with the Norbertine Order, either in the comments or on our social media. Just search Mobile Library to find and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, I'm Rachel Miller, Communications Specialist for the Mobile Library, and this has been the Roundtable Podcast.